Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. We really appreciate your continued support over the last year, and we're happy to announce that we have published the Breadwinning Mums book. Yay! This book is based on the conversations from the Breadwinning Mums season one episodes. It highlights the candid journeys of each mums, as well as a golden nugget of wisdom from their life's lessons. Now is the perfect time to give the gift of the Breadwinning Mums book to the special mums in your life or to yourself. No matter where you are in life, I'm sure the practical tips within the Breadwinning Mums book will help you take your lives just a little bit further. Limited copies available, so order yours now at breadwinningmums.com. That's breadwinningmums.com. Coming up next on the Breadwinning Mums. Uh, how hard difficulties, how hard like uh, disappointment we have, how how you know like uh, how we really angry with the situation, it will pass. So I think I think that's uh, one of the like uh, philosophical uh, life things that I always like believe that just keep going on and it will pass something like that. Even though maybe we are like feel like struggling, but if we trying like our best it will pass so i think that's the thing that always like comes up in my mind Hello everyone, and welcome to the Breadwinning Mums podcast. This is a place where we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Ratih Arum Listiandini, a fellow married breadwinning mum with one son, Fatir. Ratih is a clinical psychologist, an assistant professor, researcher, and educator at University of New South Wales. She shared with us her life story about growing up in different parts of Indonesia, uprooting her family to take up a PhD in Sydney, and continuing her life's purpose to develop and expand digital mental health capabilities in Indonesia. Here we go with Rati Arum Listiandini. Mbak Rati, how are you? Hello. Good, thank you, Mbak Jen. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Yeah. Um, so we met at UNSW Founders um, event a while ago, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we share the same background. We both came from Indonesia. Exactly. Um, yeah. But for all of us listening at the moment, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about yourself, where you started okay. from, and how you came to be where you are? Okay, thank you very much. 
opportunity, Majen. Uh, I would like to share about uh, myself first in general. So my name is Ratih Arum Listiandini. People usually call me Ratih or Arum. So, so like a both names like okay for me. And actually, I'm currently like uh, completing my uh, PhD in psychology from the UNSW uh, Sydney. Uh, I am a wife and also like a mother. I have like one son uh, and all of my like family member, husband and son live in Sydney as well. And actually like uh, when uh, I started like uh, to study in 2019 for having my PhD, I didn't expect that actually my experience like completing my PhD while taking care of my family is actually like uh, such a, a challenging but incredible experience. So I'm happy to share about my journey with you in here, Majen. <laughs> yeah, wow. So inspiring. Um, Can you take us to the very beginning? Whereabouts in Indonesia were you from? Yeah, actually like uh, I'm from Jakarta. If mm. I could say is like the most you know, like the most common questions from people when we met uh, from Indonesia is actually, where are you coming from? Mm. All right. Uh, so mm. I live for like several years in Jakarta, working in Jakarta, but actually like I moved from one city to another city my life. So I was mm. born in Surabaya mm. until I was 10 years old. And then after that, um, I moved to Palembang so it's one of the cities in South Sumatra until yeah. I graduated high school so I completed my elementary school junior high school as well as the senior high school in Palembang in South Sumatra but uh, back then in 2005 when I decided to pursue my uh, university degree University of Indonesia I started to move to um, uh, Jakarta so I live with my family there for several and then after that, uh, I get married and then uh, I also got a job in Jakarta as well. So maybe like 2005 until I started my PhD in Sydney. Yeah, about like 14 years I live in Jakarta. But if you're asking me about where I'm originated from, it's actually like uh, I move around like the cities. And my yeah. parents, it's actually not in. Oh, they're what? Sorry? Yeah. It's cut, it's they cut are in Bandung. They are oh, in they, Bandung. They're from Bandung. Yes, yes. Actually, oh, like they, I'm from Bandung they too. Oh, really? So they live in Bandung. So uh, because my father is actually like um one of the employee in uh, government companies. So city to another city. And the last cities that uh, he assigned is actually in Bandung. Yes. So after pension, after retirement, after pension. So when I need to, you know, like go back to my hometown, maybe I could say that maybe it is Bandung because my parents is there, is, is there right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, actually I live in like, uh, yeah, many other yeah. cities. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I can't hear your uh, Surabaya accent at all. Yeah. So, yeah, what yeah. about your extended family, though? Where did your grandparents and uncles yeah, and aunties? That's also an interesting question. It's actually like uh, all my grandparents is actually like uh, coming from like. So, uh, my grandparents are from my mother line is uh from Madiun, so it's like in Java, is Java. Yeah. And my grandparents from uh, my father line is coming from um um uh Solo. 
Solo is a part oh. of like yes, yeah, central yeah. Uh, Java. Mid Middle but Java. I, yeah. Yes, uh, but uh, they already live in Jakarta until they pass away. So when I was a kid, when I was still like um, live uh, in Surabaya and live in Palembang, I used to come back to Jakarta for meeting with my grandparents. Ah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, how did you find the constant move, especially when you're young? Um, it could be a very destabilizing yes um journey, right? How did you take it? Yeah, actually, like uh, I feel like challenging to making new friends uh, in the like new places. For instance, when uh I was uh out. What I'm thinking is like just okay, just like need to know, uh, trying my best to creating the environment that makes me like a comfortable. So I growing up actually like uh with quiet like adaptability skills. So I always like learn about uh how to adjust and how to fit myself in the new environment. Yeah. The good part. But uh, behind uh, that is actually sometimes I'm quite feel like, you know, overthinking as well when I started to making like new friends, but I'm trying my best because if I couldn't create like new friends, for instance, maybe I wouldn't be uh, comfortable in the new environment. I couldn't uh, have, you know, like um, uh, like the enjoyment during the school or during like uh, the that's why I I was trying my best to uh, like adaptable, like uh, observing other people, observing like uh, other cultures as well. Who actually the good part is like uh, uh, that part is like a developing uh, right way in my. So I when I moved to Sydney from, I also trying my best to fit on the new environment. So that's what I feel about how like to move from one other one to another city as well. <laughs> what about your relationship with friends? Because mm -hmm. one of the most defining moments in someone's yeah. childhood is their childhood mm -hmm. friends, right? Was exactly. it hard to be particularly growing up without that anchor or that, you know, um, one person yeah. or one group of people that you can rely on? Yeah. 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 Actually, what I could say is like it's very hard to maintain um childhood friendship when I need to like move to one city to another city. Uh, but the good thing is actually like uh, currently we already have like a social media, which is that's one of the uh tools that I used with my childhood friends back when there was no social media at all. Uh, so yeah. The challenge is actually like uh usually when I need to you know like uh, move to another city that I need to like move on from my like last friendship. Uh, mm. I use like some kind of like a gift or like a present or we sometimes having a kind like a like a phone calling or maybe like a maybe like a go back before is like when I was uh maybe like element writing uh the letter. So mm -hmm. I used to do that, uh, but then uh, when I started having like a new friendship, usually like uh, my last friendship is like uh, under like less priority. There is like a, a friendship. 
So in this regards is what I could say is uh, my friends is actually like someone who actually like uh, uh, meet with me every day. So that's maybe not every day, but the most uh, friendship that I could make is only like a prioritize the one that is uh, happen right now. For like yeah. uh, the one that is already like in the past, I used to now right now, uh, I used to like a connect just like for like several times a year. And maybe for me who actually like, a, I could say that I'm quite introverted person. It's not like a, like a big deal at all. Uh, yeah. Because I couldn't also, you know, like uh, spending too much time with a lot of people. So I think, yeah. yeah. That's what I usually like uh, feel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. And yeah. so, University of Indonesia is, so you know, mm -hmm. the most mm -hmm. prestigious university um, in, yeah. in the country. Mm -hmm. What yeah. prompted you to choose psychology? Mm, that's very interesting questions. Actually, like uh, the journey before I decided to be a psychologist is quite long. But what I could say is like, I think since I was high school, I always felt that uh, I felt happy when I listened to somebody else's story. So mm. I used to be uh, what I could say like, so like type of like the good listener friend. So when uh, I need to decide which type of job or which type of uh, programs that I need to take, I always thinking that I would be very happy if uh, I learn like uh, something that could, you know, like uh, uh, improve my ability to helping others, to listening mm. others. So mm. that's why uh, my first choice is actually not uh, a psychology, actually. A difficult one is like the medical degree. So I choose the medical degree as my first choice. But then for the second and third, uh, I chose a psychology because of that reason. Because I want to be something that, you know, uh, that could like a professional job that could help others. So that's why I choose like the medical degree and the psychology degree. But then after like the examination in the national level, just like a graduated on my second choice. When I like uh, started my my uh, psychology degree as like undergraduate students, I feel happy with that. So I continue my career until now as a psychologist. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what's life like as a psychologist? Mm. How do you how do you see the world, and how do you see people's problems? Yeah. <laughs> would say is during my undergraduate and master degree uh during my like uh, you know like the professional degree before i being a certificate certified psychologist uh, we as like a psychology students always um, encourage uh, to be you know like uh, understanding about uh ourselves so my lecturers my seniors uh, ask uh, what is like the failures for instance that you have 
and what are you you know like uh, the purpose that you want uh, to be uh, in the future by being like a psychologist so what i feel like uh, learning a psychology is actually like learning about myself first before i mm. the interesting part is uh, i like uh, like uh, try my best to understand about my past experience, about my character, about my personalities, about my strength and weakness before I started to understand others. So what I feel is like a before, like a psychologist for others, I was like a trying to be like psychologist for myself. Yeah. And in some part, it actually like helping me to grow as like a better person. Then yeah. when uh, I'm like a red in the like the professional practice it uh, really helps in terms of like understanding uh, other people's uh, perspective because you already in some instance like understanding as well about yourself and but uh, the interesting part is like when I started to have like a longer hours of like a professional practice uh, currently I've been practicing as psychologist for around maybe about like 10 years what I found is I also like to grow myself as a psychologist by learning from others' experience. So mm. that's what I feel. Like mm. uh, I always say that um, psychologists, when you need to do like a counseling or like a psychotherapy, uh, is actually like quite like a challenging in terms of investment as well as like energy as well because we used to be you know like a, like a very difficult to us to listening for others for like a, like several hours but for being psychologists you need to always you know aware yeah. with what yeah. other people like uh, uh, talking yeah. about some things and something it's demanding and challenging but mm. i always like uh, trying to taking about that which is okay i need to help this person and i mm. want more as well about mm. what what i do to help them and what yeah. could I do to uh, more understandable or also like what could I learn from their experience? So I think mm. that perspective is uh, helping me to be, you know, to be like uh, uh, quiet uh, well in terms of like maintaining my own well-being as like. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to someone's resilience, mm. how much of mm. it comes from nature versus nurture? Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay that's a very good question because uh there's also there's always being like a like the debatable topic in the psychological mm. science but mm. what i believe is actually like a human being is like the combination between nature and nurture that's what i believe what i mean is like a nature in terms of like uh the genetic uh codes for instance or something that is uh, related to the, like our DNA, it's also like a bridge, like the a potential uh, for uh, people having like a good resilience. For instance, like uh, many of research found that actually like in the research uh, from like twin studies or something that is coming from the long longitudinal studies or like a cohort studies, like a uh, between generations, they found some of the like a uh, pattern of the like the mental health in the family. For instance, it's like mm -hmm. if if the uh, families have some kind of uh, issues related to the 
like a mood disorder, like a, like depression or maybe like the bipolar disorder and something like that. There are like a, a big uh, possibilities that uh, in their like a below generation would have that kind of issue as well. That's what uh, we found in the like uh, nature perspective. However, the nurture also uh, very like a contributing as well in terms of like a providing like a stability, like a safety and then like the security. So that's why what I always like uh, suggest to my clients who have like the, you know, like the, uh, the risk factor about having like the mental health problems, they should understand about what kind of the things that could also like affect that risk factors can minimize compared to the like the protective factors. So hmm. by ensuring like the good uh, parenting skills and then like um, healing about themselves before uh, they started to uh, being ready for having like a family, for instance, it hmm. somehow could minimize the risk factors that comes from the nature perspective. So hmm. that's what I believe about uh, the dynamics developments of like a uh, uh, human being in terms of like the mental health resilience. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So you've actually been involved in various uh, organizations in Indonesia mm -hmm. before you came here. Mm -hmm. One yeah. of them is yeah. Ibunda, which is I love. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. uh, mm -hmm. a digital uh, consultation provided yes. for yeah. Uh, yeah. women in Indonesia, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to ask, what's the demand like? Because the Indonesia that I left in the 90s mm -hmm. were still this mm -hmm. conservative yeah, country yeah. where a conversation surrounding mental health or even relationship exactly. break breakdowns are still yeah, a taboo yeah. type of topics. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about what the landscape is like right now? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for like uh, asking that questions because what I feel is right now is understanding and the literacy about the mental health issues among Indonesian is like uh, growing in the like uh, right path, in my opinion especially for the one coming from like a uh, millennial and uh, Gen Z, which is they yeah. are more updated about uh, what is like the concept of, of like mental health. And then they also more understand about uh, what are uh, the things that we need to consider related to the mental health issues, as well as about like uh, help seeking among uh, people. So that's why uh, what I feel like uh, currently uh, in most uh, like uh, big cities, uh, like uh, having like an education in terms of like the mental health issues or uh, uh, asking uh, the professional help is something that is like not like a taboo anymore. However, maybe in the like the older generation as well as to the community, there is uh, unreachable with the social media. It is could be something that uh, still being like an issue. For instance, is uh, what I could find is like in some several parts of Indonesia, especially in the rural area, uh, it, uh, there are some people who still believe that actually like a mental health problems could coming uh, from something that is like more like a magical or like uh, like spiritual, like uh, they are mm. like being. They are like yeah. being, you know, like a possess, for instance. Yeah. And so that's why for the one that have like a very like severe mental illness, like a psychotic disorder who have like the hallucination and then mm. like a delusions, uh, most of people in rural area, they choose to go to the like spiritual healer instead of mm. like a, they go to the like the psychiatrist. 
it's still being like an issue in the rural area but yeah uh yeah hopefully like with more like a uh, uh, education uh happen in the like uh, many parts of indonesia and i think that's also like uh the homework from the government i think how to reach out uh, more education and also like a you know like a building the literacy of like a people who are like not living in the like a big cities mm. interesting yeah. what about in mm -hmm. corporate level has mental health been embedded into um the way companies see the yeah. well-being yeah. of their employees yeah the good things is what i found on uh, right now in indonesia uh there are um uh, program there is like a served by company uh, which is like employee assistance programs especially mm -hmm. on the like the big company like the multinational company or like a uh, uh, the national company international company they usually provided uh, that service in indonesia as well and mm -hmm. i think that's like i think that's like a good signals that in terms of uh, you know like the mental health and being some of these companies already like a care about that by creating like the employee assistance program we, we, we just that kind of program is something that you know like a having like a like the counselor and also like the psychologist for the people who like uh, for uh, the employee that really need the most of the service however i think like uh, in most of the company especially like the one that is you know maybe like a middle or like a, a low you know like a low uh, income uh, companies which is not prioritized the mental health they still like very prioritized much more about like uh, profit productivity in terms of like you know like uh, uh, what I could say is uh, something that maybe in Indonesia we could say that uh, there's not much company who take care of the like the work-life balance of the like employee right so that's yeah. why like some of the like a very like you know like a, uh, very common issues uh, what i found in Indonesia is actually like uh, people need to like uh, work until like long hours without any like a good compensation it still happened but yeah. some of the companies the one that I uh, told you like uh, already have some kind of you know employee assistance program so I think that's about like a 50-50 I think like we need to uh, still on the way to you know like to uh, bring uh, the mental health issue be a uh, priority in all of the company in Indonesia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Um. So okay. you have a lot of things going on for you back home in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. the move here? What instigated um the change? Yeah. Actually, like what I could uh, say is uh, because in Indonesia, uh, you was like a uh, working as like a lecturer in one of the like a uh, private universities in Jakarta, which is YRC University Jakarta, and they uh encourage uh, their like a uh, lecturer uh, to having like a phd degree so that's why uh, all of like uh, the junior lecturers in uh, mm -hmm. my uni is like uh, provided with the opportunity to applying like scholarship for instance for having like phd so that's why i decided to having my phd started from 2018 then i, I think that's about uh, five years after my academic career in my university in urc university mm. i started uh, the process by uh, understanding about what is like phd lives uh, look like and then uh, what i would like to do in my phd research 
then I I also like a uh, you know like a export about um, professors and researchers in university that could be my supervisors, and what I found is like it's not as as uh, I thought, which is not every like a professors uh, would like to like response uh, email from like strangers. And but the good thing is actually like uh, my professor right now in USW, when I like started to sending her an email, like just about like a couple of hours, she replied and she gave me an opportunity to having like interview, which is this word of the life changing experience because uh, from that, then uh, I've got an opportunity uh, to pursue my PhD in psychology in UNSW. And then I started to buy a scholarship uh, with Indonesian government. So yeah, I think uh, that's the process. Uh, the main reason is because for like a career development. However, what I feel like during like this, this PhD journey uh, really helped me to learn more about myself, not only about the science of the psychology, but about myself, about how I handle like difficulties as well as like challenges uh, while like pursuing my PhD. That's what uh, I think like a, like a chance uh, myself uh, currently for like uh, during my PhD journey. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. And you're <laughs> finishing, you're about to graduate soon, right? Exactly, exactly. Congratulations. I just like, uh, thank you. I, I've just completed my uh, examination. Yeah seminars uh coming from european university uh give like uh you know like a good questions about uh, my thesis which is that's a uh, very important to you know like, about my work so during like these four years i've already like done about like a uh, four series of studies which is it's not like a like a short very long journey with we a lot of time for like a dedication for like a writing for like a collecting data and then collaborating with many stakeholders which is uh the result was really uh uh good and i'm grateful for that so i'm now like waiting for uh, the official uh conferral from uh, the university and then i will like uh, have like the graduation ceremony maybe in may yeah <laughs> that sounds really good what's your thesis about so i did a research uh, yeah. on developing a culturally adaptive uh, online mindfulness intervention for university students in indonesia the mm -hmm. reason is actually like because like um, uh, accessible mental health service is like still very limited in uh, indonesia and I found that uh, like the digital technology could be one of the, you know, like tools that potentially uh, bridging like the gap uh, of the mental health service. So that's why I decided to do like uh, this uh, research to helping more young people in Indonesia to have like a better mental health using digital technology. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm. okay it's amazing <laughs> okay. that you're able to do that mm. but you're not mm. only just a psychologist you're also a mom yeah. and a wife yes right yeah can you tell us a little bit more about that part of your life yeah thank you so actually like uh, currently my son is 10 years old which is what i could say is like the transition uh to go to do you know like a pre-teenagers right yeah uh, but 
what I found is like I'm very grateful that uh, I have a husband that really like supportive uh, in taking care of my son, which is it's really helpful during my uh, PhD study because I think I couldn't you know like I couldn't be you know like a like a survive if I don't have any like a support system uh, at all uh, in Australia. But the good thing because my husband is really like supportive. So for instance, when I need to do like my research or like a writing or I have a deadline, he's the one who will like uh, taking care of uh, my son. And uh, the other things what I could say is like uh, giving an understanding to our uh, uh, kids which is here, I'm trying to like a building understanding as well uh, to my uh, son. His name is like Fatir. So I told uh, Fatir uh, since the beginning of my study that I will have uh, a kind of like uh, the long uh, working hours, which is sometimes mm -hmm. I may be like uh, come home late or maybe I need to like uh, even at home, maybe I could be like very busy in front of my uh, laptop. So if you need to play, you could trying to, you know, like a finding others, uh, finding other things in the home or maybe using your gadget as well, your laptop as well uh, to do something that you would like to do. So I think like a building an understanding to our like uh, uh, kids, building understanding to my son and then asking for help to my husband is something that is like a very crucial in this page mm. journey. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. How uh <laughs> how how did your uh husband take it when you've decided that you're going to move the whole family here? <laughs> That's actually like a very very difficult decisions because like uh for the first time like uh he also like you know uh quiet reluctance uh as well about whether you know like uh he was thinking that whether uh we are going to you know like survive financially for instance like living yeah. in the like new country because like sydney also like a very you know like a very, very expensive yes very expensive yeah. and very like a yeah like a, a demanding in terms of like the accommodation cost and everything but then uh the good thing is like uh i started to negotiate with him and talking that maybe this kind of experience could be something that help us as like a family like a growing better it's sort of like you know like just thinking about like uh, the negative side which is mm -hmm. we need to like uh, maybe work harder to uh, survive in Sydney but maybe it in terms of like a growing and developing mm -hmm. as like a family mm -hmm. member maybe it's something that is important because if we just live uh, uh, just like uh, enjoy our living in Jakarta without any like uh, uh, you know like a uh, challenges yes and the challenges very close yeah. with our like a uh, extended family. Yeah, maybe we we wouldn't like grow up as like a person and as like a family. So I think that's good yeah. opportunity for us like together as family to like a trying, uh, to live in the like new country. So for like uh several months, maybe it is uh quite uh hectic in terms of you know uh, adapting with the new situations and then finding a new job and everything. But I'm very grateful that currently uh, my husband already have like a stable uh, job at, and career as well in Australia. So he's mm. a programmer. Uh, he's mm. uh, working uh, in one of the logistic company in Sydney. And uh, I think uh, even though uh, there are like a lot of uh, things that uh, he needs uh, to do in the office, but the good thing is he still uh, could have time as well to support and also help me to take care of my son. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, Indonesia, the the Indonesia that I left in the 90s was still a very close, mm. I wouldn't say close-minded, but it's still a conservative type of society mm. where mm. even mm. women our age are being yeah. encouraged to be a stay-at-home mom, look after mm. the kids. Yeah. Yes. Did you have yeah. a little bit of pushback from maybe even your husband or your immediate mm, family, mm. your parents about when you wanted to come here and did they ever yeah, say, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? You yeah, know? yeah. I think that's good questions. But I think one of the privilege that I have is like uh, I grow up from the family who really like supported in terms of education, which is, mm. I think that's like a, a good things. So when I decided to like uh, pursue my career as like a lecturer as an academia, uh, my own parents already like really supportive with that. So when uh, I asked to uh, them, so is it okay for me to like uh, study abroad for having my PhD? They don't have any complaints at all, and they're really like supportive. And for my uh, husband's family, uh, the good thing is also they also not, uh, you know, like having like a complaints at all when uh, he decided to move in as well in Sydney, because uh, I think he also like a grown up from family who also like, like move to one city to other cities and they feel like actually like a having like experience living in outside of our like a comfort zone is actually like a helping them to grow as well. So yeah, that's the privilege that I have. So I don't have any, you know, like a, uh, like a pushback uh, from yeah. my environment. All of them are like a very supportive in terms of like, uh, my uh career as well as my uh, education as well as like a woman. However, they always like uh, my mother especially as well as always remind me that even though I have like a good career and also pursue higher education. Uh, family could be still uh need to be like a prioritized so so yeah. that's why I was like a trying as best as I can to always like a take care of my family uh, while I'm also like a completing my study. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and how has Fatir grown over the past uh, four years? Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was like amazing experience for me uh as a parent looking him like a grow day by day. So when the first time uh, we started our life in Sydney, he couldn't speak English at all. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, so it's like a very like a clueless for him in the very beginning uh, of uh, his journey as a student. But I could say he's also like a resilient kid. So uh, he's trying uh, his best to adapt with the new situation. What I could remember is like uh, his teacher in the year one uh, said to me like in the first like uh, several weeks what my uh, son uh, did is actually like incredible in terms of like uh, learning from observing. So mm -hmm. he started to know like uh, how to uh, uh, the instruction, what is like the instruction of his teacher uh, by observing his friend. So what mm -hmm. his friends do, he he was trying to like uh, copy them. So that's yeah. how he learned how to understand about the instruction for the first time. And then with more exposure, uh, with a school in Sydney, he started to develop uh, his skill as well uh, in terms of like uh, communication in English, which is what I could say right now. Uh, that's my homework to like uh, switch 
on his preference to speak English with his yeah. preference to speak Indonesia. <laughs> Because currently he has more preference to speak English to me. But uh, yes, yeah. I was trying my best to always speak Indonesia at home at least yeah. so he wouldn't forget at all with uh, Bahasa Indonesia, with Indonesian language. <laughs> Does he speak like a bullet? Yes, exactly. He copy all the accents as well as even he, you know, like to criticize my English, like mommy. <laughs> he corrects you, wrong something like that. And what the what what do you mean? Like he doesn't understand about what talking about. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, my my kids are doing that to my parents. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and so what's next for you? Yeah. You're about to graduate, and so yes. yeah, yeah. Once that's mm. finished in yeah. May, yeah. Uh, what's next for yeah. you and your family? Okay, so my plan is because I've got Indonesian government scholarship, so I should for good uh, to Indonesia. You have to go back. So maybe like uh, in the <laughs> in the middle of uh, this year, I will like uh, go back and continue my career as a lecturer in Indonesia. So yeah, yeah, to like fulfill my promise actually because Indonesian government already like provided like many support in terms of like the financial uh incentive during my stay in here in Sydney. So it I think it's the time for me to go back to Indonesia uh as like a lecturer. But maybe after several years, uh there's also maybe like a possibility that I could also maybe will have like a career in other countries as well. Let's see how it goes. But yeah. I think the yeah. the the short goals right now is like uh, having like a division ceremony and then go back first to Indonesia. How did your how's your husband taking it? The fact that he have to go back. Yeah, because he's already have like a quiet like stable uh, and a cordial job in here. Uh, right now we decided that he could continue his career and job in Sydney. So maybe we will have like several years of like a long distance marriage before we decided whether maybe I move back to Sydney or maybe he moved back to Indonesia. So let's see how it goes. I wouldn't know what wow. will happen in the next yeah. several years, but that's yeah. what we plan. <laughs> wow. Okay. And how is Fatir? What's going to be the arrangement yeah. with Fatir? Then? Because yes, because Fatir right now is already like a five uh uh in in the five grade right in the year five. Mm. So mm. I and my husband decided that uh, he will uh, completing uh, his primary school in here in Sydney. And yeah. after uh, he graduated from his primary school, let's see how it goes. If maybe he would like to live with me in uh, Jakarta for his high school, then maybe he will uh, go back with me uh, after he graduated. But if he decided to um, uh, maybe he more enjoy his life in here in Sydney, that maybe there's also another possibility that he could also like uh, uh, completing his high school here. But I think the short goal right now is like uh, let him graduate first and then mm. let's think about it later in the next uh, maybe like two years. <laughs> wow. Okay. Are you ready? Like mentally, psychologically, are you no, ready I to do. be? A I'm not ready, but I yeah. should do it because... Sometimes, you know, like when we decide something like a big deal like this with uh, my husband, that's something that we like influence each of us as like a family member. We should think not only about like the current situation or what about what we prefer to do mm. in terms of, you know, mm. like uh, emotionally, uh, in terms of like uh, whether we feel like we'll be set or not or something like that. But we need also like uh, to plan 
in the future about what our goals for like a uh, Fatih's education, for my career, for his career as well, for our like uh, retirement later. So everything should be like uh, considered. So yeah, even though I know that's not like a uh, easy decision, but I mm. think that's uh, the best decision that uh, we could think right now. That might yeah. be it could be like a changes after like uh, for for several times when mm. we feel like it's better for us to like. Uh, uh, being like full family again in one place, maybe we will like uh, change our decision. But yeah, we will like uh, still uh, trying to our best to see what will be happen in the future with this decision. <laughs> yeah, it is always a yeah. constant struggle, isn't it? Between exactly. finding out what's best for your family and exactly. what's best for you yeah. personally as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I moved mm -hmm. here when I was 12, but my parents mm -hmm. were still living in Indonesia um, ah, at okay. the time. So yeah. we were having like that long distance relationship as well for oh. many years, actually. They yeah, only moved yeah, here yeah. when mm -hmm. I finished high school. So a good part mm -hmm. of my um, high school years were spent mm -hmm. apart. Um, yeah. It's, it's I think from a child's perspective, it's built mm -hmm. a type of resilience in you and you, mm -hmm. you are forced to be independent at a very mm -hmm. early age. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. funnily enough, I never felt like our relationship as a family were severed even though we didn't mm. spend every day together okay i, okay. I still mm. felt like my parents mm -hmm. were there for me yeah 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 that's good mm. perspective which is i think yeah so I it's, as, yeah, well as people yeah. think about being you know long distance yeah. family relationship right yeah yeah no as a child you just get on mm -hmm. with things and mm -hmm and exactly. you adapt mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah. I don't know as mm -hmm. a parent I would feel sometimes looking back I felt mm -hmm. like oh my god my my son is now about to turn eight which was mm -hmm. the same age mm -hmm. that my younger mm -hmm. brother was when he moved mm -hmm. in with our, our parents and I felt like mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do that as a parent you know <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. it is what it is yeah yeah <laughs> let's see so uh, how did you uh, live uh, when you are like a child without your parents here you live with other family members here or like how is it going yeah, the first year I lived with my auntie. I have a lot of aunties and uncles from my dad's uh, okay. side. So yeah, first yeah. year I lived mm -hmm. with one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And then second year onwards, my oldest brother was going to uh, uni here in, ah, in Sydney. And so we moved yeah. just to be closer yeah. to his uni. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah. from that year onwards, it was just us, the kids. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy looking back, thinking about, you know, how yeah, how yeah. I parent my children. It's like, come on, this is not much. <laughs> I'm not yeah, asking yeah. for much. Yeah. Okay. Um. So one of your works uh revolved around mindfulness and resilience. Yes. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. listening to this conversation with Adam Grant and Brene Brown when they when they mm -hmm. were talking mm -hmm. about mindfulness, and mm -hmm. Adam said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to along the lines of being mindful about your own actions and your own emotions can also have these uh, unintended consequences because you think mm. that mm. oh it's good to be mindful because you are mm. more, more self-aware of your own mm. actions mm. and emotions mm. right mm -hmm. but sometimes being mindful does not necessarily take you out of a situation um, yeah. that you yeah. didn't want sometimes yeah. it actually prolongs because <laughs> you're so mindful it can also enable you know people that are involved in the situation to be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To continue with their unwanted yeah, yeah, actions, yeah. right? Do you mm -hmm, do you have mm -hmm. anything to say to mm -hmm. that? Mm, that's interesting point. Uh, but what I could 
fine with a mindfulness practice is actually it helps us as well in my experience by practicing mindfulness by myself or also like a teaching mindfulness to others is uh, sometimes uh, when we started to you know like understanding about uh, our self like more using like the mindfulness practice uh, some of the you know like uh, what we could say is like some of the negative uh, thinking could also as well you know like a more you know like a more prone to be happen in terms of okay i'm aware that i have this negative thinking so is it bad or something like that so it it's like a started to you know like a by observing our mind it could trigger like another anxiety as well so that's why like during like the mindfulness practice uh, i usually like uh, ask them to you know like a uh, instead of evaluating about how our mind uh, uh, content or like a, a what is like a behind of like a, our mind, we also need to understanding more uh, about the values or uh, that be our like a priority. For instance, it's like, a, like instead of just like a being a mindful uh, with everyday uh, things, every activities that uh, we do we should all trying to be mindful about what we are going to do with our understanding about ourselves so i think it needs to be like a dialogue uh, another dialogue as well with uh, people with uh, with you know with ourselves about uh, what we are going to uh, you know like uh, to do instead of just enjoying our moment in the present moment but also understanding more about what are, you know, uh, our purpose as like a human being who will, you know, like uh, helping us to do like more action instead of just like thinking about like the present moment. I think that's what I'm thinking about, like uh, uh, the, you know, like uh, the positive and uh, the challenges of having, you know, a kind of, like the mindfulness uh, practice or mindfulness Mm, uh, skills in our life so instead of just focusing like uh, enjoying in the present moment uh, being aware with our thoughts but also like understanding more deep down inside of that about what mm. we are going to do best on the values that we really think uh, that is important to our life which is I think with mindfulness it helps us to understand more about like uh, that aspect so when we decided to like uh, decide to do something uh, we already aware about what is like the consequences behind that action yeah I love it so yeah <laughs> I think so a part of mindfulness is not just trying to visit where you are and being aware yeah. but mm. also using that understanding to then propel your actions or your exactly. dialogues with others yeah. going yeah. forward yes that's exactly. the missing or not the missing <laughs> part but some some of the things that are not often talked about because when yes. people talk about mindfulness it's about meditation mm. and about self-reflection yes. exactly. but then mm -hmm. the so what piece is still missing like yeah. so what do you yeah. do with yeah. all that information yes. to yes. affect yeah. your surroundings exactly exactly mm. that's what okay. i'm thinking is important <laughs> yeah okay awesome um you also did a few studies and especially one that says uh, that talks about gratitude loneliness and psychological mm -hmm. distress to uh, uni students during COVID mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if there were some upsides of COVID mm -hmm. yeah um, based on your studies what would that be mm. I think it helps us to understand about how this world works I think that's what mm. I feel 
like uh, in terms of you know like uh, sometimes people tend to you know like uh, have like a uh, more control about their life which is in some extent it's good but in another extent is not really good at all because for instance during like the covid situation we couldn't control anything like like the pandemic is something that is like uh, outside like or like, beyond our control and uh, during like the covid situation people uh, some of the people started like to understand that not everything that they could uh, in their life is uh, something that is like uh, under their control. So people will uh, understand about, you know, like the failures of, you know, like let it go. And then uh, they started to just trying to enjoying like the moments, uh, every moments that they still have uh, currently. And uh, what I could say as well is like uh, surviving from the COVID also helping us to be more like a resilience in terms of uh, facing like the difficulties, the changes uh, and about how to adapt from, uh, you know, like uh, the social isolation from how to adapt with um, what I could say, the social distancing, what we could say during like uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, and, and what I feel as well is actually like uh, even though people like uh, tend to be uh, more like a lonely some of them also like uh, growing uh, their skills in terms of like other things as well like maybe uh, most of my friend like started their content in YouTube or maybe yeah. in yeah. podcast and everything like uh, during like the pandemic situation which is mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the upsides uh, you know like uh, having like a pandemic situation on that time <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah. perfect um, so I want to go back to the concept of a breadwinning mom, which you are, of yeah. course. Mm -hmm. um, are there any specific uh, rituals that you do as a person or as a family to make it easier? Mm. Mm. I think I will start that it is about mindset and values. That's very important, I think, in my life. So when I started uh, to do like an action or I decided to make uh, some like a big decision in my life as like a mom, as like a, a wife, as like a student as well, as like a career woman, I always think about what are uh, the values that I could, uh, you know, like that I could achieve with this kind of action which is what I feel like uh, currently I'm quite stable in terms of like uh, mental well-being because I always uh, believe that what I'm doing right now is something that is like valuable for my family, for my communities, for myself. And my orientation is also like uh, like a growing as like a person that also part of the values that uh, I hold right now, which is I bring that, that values as well during like the decision making for my family, for my son. That's one of the like uh, things that I think is like a very important. So before you uh, taking like an action or like making like a decision, it's very good for you to know about what you will achieve with this one in terms of what are like the values of life about the purpose like uh, what you are going to uh, pursue with this kind of activity something like that it's very important to help us to keep you know like a balance so when everything happens like the challenges difficulties happen uh, then I will like go back again on the right track because I remember that this is something that is important to uh, fight something like that 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And how often yeah. do you um, readdress your values and your purpose? Because it changes over time, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I think based on my experience, like uh, some of the like basic values about life is not uh, changing like uh, uh, so much uh, in my life in terms of like uh, how important is like, for instance, like the spirituality, how important of like uh, other people's well-being, for instance, and how importance of like uh, our role, for instance, as like a family member, something that is not like a change uh, so much is over like a very like a basic values but in terms yeah. of like a setting like a goals about what importance uh on that periods is sometimes is like a reassess and reevaluate it like uh, for instance like this like a, a once in a year like in the like beginning of the year or maybe when there are like a life-changing situation happen for instance maybe if i go back to indonesia there are a couple or several things that i need to adjust as well yeah mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, you mentioned before one of the the well the one of the key negotiation tools yeah. that mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. <laughs> use with your husband was being mm -hmm. able to grow as a family by moving to Australia. Yes. yes. If yes. you have to choose just one way that you have grown as a family unit by mm -hmm. moving to a different country with a new language mm -hmm. in a new mm -hmm. environment, what would that be? Mm -hmm. Uh, something that is. Is the question means like uh, something that is not like a moving to another country or? No, so how have you grown as a family? Oh, okay. How I feel like I've grown as like a family. Yeah. Yeah, with that decision. Mm -hmm. I think like uh, we grown so much in terms of the the most basic one is like the our independence skill, which is me as a mother, maybe in Indonesia. Maybe I still like really depends on the my assistance to you know like a like a uh, finishing all like the domestic uh roles domestic like skills like uh washing the dishes or something like that. But uh, currently, I and my husband should be more independent to handling all the house chores, which is on that why we also like growing our skill to negotiate about what people what uh he will do and what i will do on that day yeah. so what yeah, are yeah. the responsibilities that uh, we are going to do for like uh the host course as well as for my uh, son as well like uh how to you know like how to be more independent when uh his mom and dad still like busy when doing like other things like doing like the host course and everything uh, so that's one of the like a uh, very uh, obvious uh, skills that uh, I think we develop, and then another one is also like a developing cultural intelligence, which is understanding about okay, there are like some part of like a culture in Australia uh, from like a Western society that might be not fit very well with our like uh, uh, values and culture from Indonesia mm. and Eastern society. However, mm. how to like to, to deal with that? in terms of uh you know like a uh, negotiate maybe like assimilate as well or maybe like um understanding about why people in western society for instance more like individualistic compared to us uh, from mm. uh from indonesian community mm. and then uh i think understanding uh cultures of others not only from western societies but also maybe like a cultures of other countries because in Australia we are very multicultural right when we mm. could also meet people from India from like China maybe from uh, from other countries as well it will also like uh, help our uh, skill 
uh, to more understand and tolerable with all the differences that we have. I think that's also part of, you know, like uh, the things that uh, grow a lot. And then what I feel personally is actually like, uh, I think I tried my best to have like a better emotional regulation skills because with all the things... <laughs> Oh, the challenge. Really? You still have to do that? You're the expert. <laughs> I would have thought you've reached the level. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, sometimes cranky, you know, and I have a lot of job needs to do, but I don't have any more people to support <laughs> my, you know, like uh, my activities. Then, yes, I should now how to you know like release my own stress emotion <laughs> emotionally and then to you know regulate my emotions so i didn't like get you know getting too emotional or getting too mad <laughs> with the situations <laughs> what do you do what's your yeah. go-to tips i don't know but uh i think uh the one that uh, teach me about uh, that uh, is actually like uh, having like space for my time is important. Like, you know, like uh, sometimes you are like a uh, very uh, busy, do something for others, for our job, but we don't have any time for myself. So I think like uh, having uh, me time for myself is important to, you know, like uh, gaining more energy again. And when there are some uh, triggering situations uh, I try to the best one is like try to you know like um, uh, hold my breath like uh, mm. like uh, managing the flow of my breath that's very practical things that what I could do when I get too anxious or like uh, 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 getting a angry about something so yeah. I could like um, still manage my reactions how I should like uh, uh, deal with that difficult situation mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you mentioned about cultural differences before. Mm, um, mm, I was just mm. wondering, have there been any instances where you had to um, challenge your own beliefs and, and values mm. uh, since mm, coming here? Mm. And have you changed mm. any any of your values, especially from a mother's perspective? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think I... Uh... Maybe me as an adult, I don't think I like a change uh, a lot in terms of like um, values. However, maybe I'm more like, you know, like a more uh, tolerant right now with the critical thinking that my sons have. Maybe in Indonesia, mm -hmm. our culture is like a, yeah. a kid. Zero tolerance for exactly, talking Exactly, zero tolerance <laughs> need to be always polite, respectful and everything yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to, to their parents. And uh, uh, there's no complaints and something like that. But currently, mm -hmm. because, yeah, he's grown up with the environment that uh, cultivate yeah. his, you know, like a critical thinking, like a how to, you know, like uh, negotiate with something. So, yeah, I need to deal with that. So I think yeah. that's one of the things that I need to adjust as well. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, In terms of all of your work and all of your studies, um, mm -hmm. if there was just one area of study that you have done um, mm -hmm. that people want to be more aware of or remember you for, what would that be? I think... I always uh, passionate with the uh, mental health and resilience. So I think uh, that's uh, the topics or like uh, the theme of my, uh, like uh, most of my research uh, is about. Uh, however, like uh, currently I started to 
uh, develop my experience and skill in digital uh, mental health uh, service, which is that's the thing that I think I would like to pursue on the next uh, several years. So my, uh, my my commitment is when I go back to Indonesia, I would like to develop uh, like a better system in terms of mm -hmm. like a digital mental health services for all people in Indonesia. That's what I would like to like pursue. But in general, I think I'm always uh want to have like an expertise in the mental health and resilience um uh, research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How effective do you think that would be in terms of delivering mental health advice through digital mm -hmm. uh, means? Because yes, yeah. I can understand and appreciate the fact that if it's digital, then it's always accessible, especially with yeah. the integration yeah. of AI now, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. can automate mm -hmm. a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But at mm -hmm. our deepest level, we still yearn for that human to human interaction, just like exactly. what we have now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how mm -hmm. do you marry the two? Yeah, actually what I found is like a digital device would be very helpful as like not in terms of like uh, changing the human uh by human interaction, but for like a being like the complementary of the service as well. So what I found is like in my research, in my PhD, the one that is also helpful is not only like by doing the practice using like the digital intervention, but also like having someone else to support us. At least when you need any help in terms of whether you do the right practice or not, there are someone who could like support you with that. I think so that's why, uh, you know, like the value of like human uh, interaction, which is still like very important. However, in terms of like accessibility and scalability of the intervention, I still believe that the digital intervention could be something that could, you know, like a complement uh, the other uh, conventional uh, psychotherapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I wanted to go back to that really young Rati, the one that mm. was about to leave Surabaya to Palembang. Mm. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. could give yourself one advice, mm -hmm. knowing all of the wealth of wisdom and knowledge that you know now, what mm -hmm. would that be? To the young Rati, okay. Maybe I could say that uh, maybe if like uh, there would be like uh, someone else or like uh, other kids also have like the same experience with me or what I could say to my uh, young uh, each version is uh, I will tell to her that it's not an easy uh, experience that you need like to adjust yourself with new situation and new environment but that skill is very important for your future because in the future there might be like a bigger opportunity and then a bigger a chance for you to meet uh, people not only from different culture in terms of like a different cities but also maybe like different countries like maybe you will live in the like overseas something that maybe not be uh imaginable uh, before when you were like uh, young but adaptability resilience and then the uh, you know like understanding of people uh, it's like very important skill that you need to develop maybe that's the thing that i would say to her yeah awesome. <laughs> has there been a, a, a moment in time in your marriage where you were really tested as a person and mm -hmm. having had to not just rely on your own rational understanding of how the mind works mm -hmm. and like psychology and mm -hmm. human interaction mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you would have to really dig deep and rely on your faith maybe and your core beliefs Mm -hmm. And without mm -hmm. going into the specifics of what happened, maybe if you could share the journey mm -hmm. and 
what you've learned throughout that moment? Yeah, actually, I think uh, I've already um, have married for about eleven years, which is it's like a long uh, journey and uh, process as well. And I feel like uh, being a wife, like a growing as like a husband and wife, as like a unit of family, like a meeting uh, with people that growing up with like very different experiences is something that is like a, a not easy at all. Uh, but I always uh, believe that because I decided to uh, commit with this uh, marriage, because I believe that our marriage is something that could bring us to the like a goodness uh, in the future. For instance, my core belief is coming from like Islamic belief, which is uh, after we pass away, we will have like another life in the afterlife, something like that. So I was like a trying my best, um, my husband as well, like uh, how like to, you know, like uh, negotiate uh, with every difficulties, differences that we have. Sometimes we get like an argument as well, or maybe uh, we get have a kind of like a conflict as well. But then I understand uh, trying to like do like self-reflection uh, in the in in the moment about what I could do better to uh, make our relationship is like a stronger and like a better. So not not you know like a not ruining our relationship, but how to make our like a conflict and anything. Uh, to be you know like a, to be an asset to our like a journey together as our like a new skills maybe new skills development in the future something that is uh okay uh that is like a happen during like all this journey <laughs> so using that conflict situation in order yeah. to grow again similar to yes. how yeah. you see the transition yes, exactly. to uh, australia yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, and the question that I always ask all moms is, what is your alpha mom song? So if you have the deadline looming at work, your study <laughs> is going to finish soon and your son is giving you trouble as well, what one song do you play on the back of your mental mind to make it through the week? I think the one that is like a very common uh, happen in my mind is like a, this gonna will pass. Something like that. It yeah. will pass. So, yeah. so yeah, because I really learned a lot during my uh, journey as an adult that uh, how hard difficulties, how hard like uh, disappointment we have, how how you know like uh, how we really angry with the situation, it will pass. So I think I think that's uh one of the like uh philosophical uh, life things that I always like believe that. Just keep going on and it will pass. Something like that. Even though maybe we are like feel like struggling, but if we're trying like an over base, it will pass. So I think that's the thing that always like comes up in my mind. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> All right, Marati, or I should say mm -hmm. Dr. Listiandini, thank yeah. you so much for being yeah, here and sharing you. your time yeah. and wisdom with yeah. us. Best of luck with the next chapter and um, yes. I'd very mm -hmm. much like to mm -hmm. stay in touch. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, thank you very much for the opportunity, Majen. Also, uh, hope uh, all the success is for you in the future. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> See you then. See you. This episode of the Breadwinning Mums was produced by me, Jane Lim, and our theme music was produced by Sam McNally. 
We recorded this episode on the lens of dark people who have passed their parenting story for generations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and thank them for caring for country. Connect with us through LinkedIn or Instagram at Breadwinning Mums. Until next time, 